Welcome to Build Your Tribe with your host, Shalene Johnson. Well, tonight I want to talk to you about what it takes to be discovered and how you can become an overnight success. I'm going to share with you my own story of how I became an overnight success. Specifically, I want to talk to you about being discovered. This is my this is my certificate for being in the Guinness Book of World Records. This is my title for being in the Guinness Book of World Records for having done the most fitness DVDs. What's crazy about that is I'd never set out to do that, and never and never was even a goal. It kind of happened by accident. I created an exercise program because I'm uh, an entrepreneur, and I saw this need for fitness instructors. And so I created this program that would be a business for fitness instructors. Now, I wasn't the world's greatest fitness instructor, that's for sure. I could barely hear the beat, but I was a really good businesswoman. So I created this program never intending myself personally to be in the videos. I'm like, I'm 5'2". I don't look like those people. I have no business being in front of the camera, but I'll create this workout and I'll create this business and then I'll hire people to be in the videos. And I did that. One of the shoots, one of the video talent people didn't show up and I was like pregnant or I just had a baby, something awful. And I had to go on camera and I was like, oh God, this is awful. I'm so going to be judged and people are not going to like this and it's going to be awful. But people were related and they, it worked. It worked out okay. Somehow I ended up doing so many more exercise DVDs. I ended up in the Guinness Book of World Records. That's kind of crazy. Anyways, my point is I have had a lot of different businesses, some fortunate successes. I've been in business since I was 15 years old, fitness business. I've been, I've created online academies. I've written a New York Times bestseller. I have created and sold two multi-million dollar companies with my husband, Brett. I share this with you because I told you that tonight I'm going to help you figure out how to become an overnight success. Now you know, the punchline is I wasn't an overnight success. And I think very few people are an overnight success. But if ever there was going to be a time to become an overnight success, it's right now. I couldn't have done it when I started out because these same opportunities weren't available. We didn't have social media. We didn't have the opportunity to turn on your flipping iPhone and have this kind of quality and broadcast live. We didn't have those kind of opportunities. It was like literally knocking on doors, sending emails 10 at a time. So the opportunity to become quote unquote, an overnight success is there for you. But here, here's another interesting side note to that overnight success story. I created the program Pio in the year 2000 and it, oh man, I was just like, this is going to be it. This is going to be bigger than Tybo. It's going to be huge. It's going to be, everybody's going to want this and nobody did. I didn't even know what it was. I, I wasn't clear. I was trying to be everything else. I was trying to please people that I thought might judge the program. I was afraid for the program to be what I really wanted it to be for fear of judgment. I thought people were gonna would hate it. It didn't take off the program pile until I really was like, you know what? I don't care if people hate it. It needs to be what I really like because I think there's enough people out there who aren't being like they don't like yoga or yoga's too slow or Pilates just doesn't give you the calorie burn. And so I'm just going to make it. And, and they don't like the slow music and they want it fast tempo and they want to sweat. And, and it's not Pilates and it's not yoga. It's just this weird thing. And you know what? If I like this weird thing, then maybe other people will like this weird thing. And when I did that without fear of trying to make it look like somebody else's program, it really took off. But I created that program in 2000. Just in the last month, that program started airing on TV. 15 years later. Now I didn't create this this particular video, the home video I didn't create 15 years ago, but the program I developed 15 years ago. It's been 15 years of failure after failure after failure 
after failure, after let's scrap it, it's done, it's dead, it's not working, move on. Let's tweak it, it's coming back to life. Let's change it, let's change the music, let's let's go back to the 15 years of failing before it ever really took off. I am certainly not an overnight success, I am not. You could be. The opportunities for you to be an overnight success are there. They're far greater today than they ever were before. The opportunities you have before you far out see, exceed anything any book about success has ever been written about because the times are different. However, as it relates to your success, your being discovered, most of those success rules or the guidelines or the, the principles, if you will, of quote unquote being discovered, they still remain the same. The opportunity is greater, but the rules of success are the same. And here's the first rule. You need other people. Yeah. The only way to be discovered, think about that, is if someone other than you discovers you. Now, what does that mean to discover you? Well, it means a couple of different things. First of all, whenever I do a, a speaking gig or um, a conference or, or even a webinar or, or even a broadcast, nine times out of 10, I will get an influx of tweets and DMs and email messages, letters upon letters upon letters about why you're so great and I should work with you and letters upon letters of, about like, you know, why you're so awesome and I should work with you <laughs> or I should bring you onto my stage. You should speak for me. I should introduce you to an infomercial company. Here's all of my talents. But you see, when you find the favor of someone who can make things happen for you. Quote me on this one. I feel a tweetable moment coming on. Can't you feel it? When you find the favor of someone who can make incredible things happen for you, they don't fall in love with your talent. They fall in love with you. So when you lead with your talent, when you lead with your, by throwing up your resume, like literally vomiting up your qualifications, etc. That's not of interest. That's not of interest. People need others. You need others to like you more than you need them to be impressed by you. You know, your big break is going to come from someone who says, let's give this kid a chance. I like this kid. I love this kid. Let's give him a chance. It's not going to be, I found this most amazing, talented public speaker on Periscope and we've just got to bring that. No, it doesn't happen that way. Rarely. People, I mean, everybody roots for the underdog, right? And I don't, you don't even have to be the underdog, but think about that term, the underdog. What does the underdog mean? What does that mean, the underdog? Does that mean that you're the person who's losing? No, but I've thought about that term a lot. What is that? Because don't we all root for the underdog? Every movie. In real life, who do you root for? Everybody roots for the underdog. But what does that mean, the underdog? Well, I've been thinking about this a lot. And can I, can I just be honest? Because it might not sound that nice, but I think it is a little bit of human nature. Think about this for a second. If I am to meet someone who's in fitness and has their own you know, business and their own company, and they're doing quite well, but we're almost on the same level. Is that person rooting for me? 
are they like rooting for me to move above them? No, it's just human nature. I think most people are so worried and come from a scarcity mindset. They're so worried that somebody's going to get theirs that we rarely want to promote someone who's like on our par or who looks like they're really talented or really going places because we're like, hey, I want to go places. Why would I try to help them go places? I'm trying to go places. But when we see someone who's very humble, great potential, and they're a fan of you, we want to promote them. We want to see them do well. We want to see them move above us. The people who are going to give you your big breaks are the people who want to give that kid a chance. And let me tell you this, I, you could disagree, but I believe that kind people are connected people. So there's connected people and then there's kind people who are connected people. And sometimes the connected people are a little bit, you know what I'm saying, like everyone's trying to connect with them because everybody knows their name and they're like, a, you know, they blow a lot of hot air and, you know, they're always like blah, blah, blah about their all of their accomplishments and this and that and, you know, which is cool. But there's there's also something that's not that likable about them. You're just trying to get in good with them because it's like a name and everyone's trying to get in good with them. You know what I'm saying? You know the type? Yeah, we've all, it's, you know what it is? It's the equivalent of the popular girl in school or the popular dude or the popular clique, right? And they weren't that nice. They're kind of, they're kind of assholes, right? And so that even if, even if they're like rude all year long and then suddenly the popular girl's like, oh, you can sit with us. Like you're like, oh my God, oh my God. She's so nice. She is so nice, you guys. She's so nice to me right there when she said I could sit with her. And then we're like, oh yeah, yeah. And then we're like, oh, we go crazy. We're like, oh, they're so nice. And we're like, no, not really. They were just being like appropriately cordial. Like that's not so nice. It's just like you, you feel like they're being so nice because it's the first time they gave you a little bit of attention, but they're normally just jerks. We tend to do that sometimes with people that we think are so connected and we just get blinded by all of their connections and how everybody's talking about them. Meanwhile, I'm just asking you to get on the radar of someone who's kind and you actually like because they have stronger connections than Mr. I'm connected. You know, recently I was spending some time with one of my mentors and he said to me, oh, Shalene, do you know so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so? I go, no. He goes, oh, okay, but do you know so-and-so? I'm like, no. And he goes, well, I have got to introduce you to so-and-so and so-and-so. And I'm like, he's like, what's wrong? I'm like, I don't want to meet no, I don't want to meet any new people. I don't want to, you know, like I got enough of great people. I'd rather go deep. I don't need to go wide. I don't need to, I don't need to meet more people. I have so many people who are amazing in my life that I need to find more time to spend with them. I don't want to meet any more new people, really. I mean, I'm at that stage in my career, right? Where I keep getting invited to these masterminds and amazing opportunities and, oh, you should go to this place and that place and this person can do this for you and this. I'm like, I'm good. I just want to lift and connect and go deep with the people who I already know are great. And I don't want, I mean, I'm just, I'm at that place and I hope that you'll be at that place too someday. But the way to get there is to be keenly aware who it is you want to meet, why you want to meet them and what it is you hope they can do for you. And by do for you, I don't mean like, they, what can you do for me? And what have you done for me lately? I mean, how do they enrich you? That's my advice to you. To be discovered 
Be the biggest fan of someone who's connected who you like and they're kind and connected. They are kind and they're the kind of person who lifts up because you can try like hell to get on the radar of someone who's like out in your space and they're killing it and man, you'd like to rub elbows with them, but they just aren't of the mindset where they take notice when you watch their periscopes, they won't promote other people, they don't talk about other people. You don't see that, that you see them positioning themselves always and not other people. So if you're trying to be discovered, you aren't gonna be discovered by a television show, you're not gonna be discovered, well, even if you are. The breaks come not from organizations, the breaks come from people who wanna give the kid a chance. And those kind of people, you have to look for them because they're not self-centered, they're not righteous, they really do what they get from it is seeing someone who they've helped aspire to greatness. You know, whenever I help somebody out of the kindness of my heart, somebody who I just pour into, I can say I'm pouring into them without any strings attached, but that's not the truth. There are strings. There is something in it for me. And if I were to say otherwise, I would be being dishonest. What's in it for me is it feels good if they succeed. It feels good if they can outdo me. It feels good if I can save them from all of my headaches and hassles and expenditures and bumpy, that it feels good to get a card that says, you know, thank you, you changed my life. Like, this is why I do it, for, for a handwritten card, that's why, that's why. So is there something in it for me? Yeah, it feels good, it feels very good. I just tell you that, because you know, people are always like, I, I, whenever I say there's nothing in it for me, I, don't, I mean there's nothing in it for me financially, but there's definitely something in it for me or we wouldn't do it. There's something in it for a child who's throwing a temper tantrum. There's something in it for your friend who's a drama queen and always has drama in her life. There's something in our behaviors, what we do, we do because there's something in it for us. So how do you get discovered? Well, you do it by showing up day after day after day, being persistent, being consistent, and being a fan of people who are kind and connected and, and trying to lift them, trying to support them because that's the person who's gonna actually make the phone call for you to the record company. That's the person who's gonna say, you know what, I know, I know a guy who actually knows a producer. You know what, kid, I got this opportunity for you to speak at my next event and I, I, just, I've, I just know that if I work with you, we can make this happen and I can help you and we can do this. It is going to be someone who's like, I'm gonna give this kid a chance. But when someone gets to that level, a level at which they can help you, the one thing they can't take a chance on is a flake. You've got to show up. You've got to be ready. You've got to be persistent. You've got to be willing to take feedback. You've got to be willing to, to do the work. You've got to be willing to invest. You have to show that you've invested in them. You know, I get, again, tons of emails and, and tweets now. Twitter's back on fire. And uh, face, face, I don't even open my Facebook inbox. I haven't opened my Facebook inbox in like three years because there's too many messages. So I'm so sorry if you've been sending me messages there. But I, I don't do that because there's just too many messages there. But it's not uncommon for people to reach out and, and to want my advice and to want my help. A lot of times, and I know many of you have probably sent me messages and you'll often ask me for advice. And I ask this question, I and I wanna explain myself for a moment. A lot of times I will say, are you a student of mine? Because if you're a student of mine, then I'm gonna invest extra time in you. It's not to say like, well, I only answer questions of students, but it is for me to say, if you've invested in me, I'm gonna take, ex I'm gonna, I might not have time to answer this right now, but if you're a student, 
you've invested in me, I'm invested in you. And so that's the only reason why I ask that question. I, I don't, because a lot of times I'll get people reply back and they're like, why? I have to pay you to get your advice? I'm like, yeah. Well, personally, yeah, I give it for free 24 7. Anywhere else on the internet, you can get free advice on my podcast. You can get free advice on my YouTube. You can get free advice on my Facebook. You can get free advice on Periscope. You can get free advice in my tweets. You can get free advice just about everywhere. But if it's like me and you spending time, then my students, hello, they've invested in me. I have to invest in them. So it's just a, it's just an honest question. That's all. But don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to invest. Don't be afraid to to search and to seek. Okay, so a little bit about that moment when I believe my career ha- hit a tipping point. You know, not to take you all the way back to, you know, my many failed business, failed businesses, I don't even call them failed, my many experimental businesses, because most of them eventually made money and a couple of them enough money to be able to put me through college, pay my car payments, etc. So I did a lot of different businesses, but the one that really started to take off was my fitness business. And again, Never intended for that to be my career path. My degree is in justice, morality, and constitutional democracy. I thought I would be a lawyer or I thought I would have some kind of maybe legal related business. Fitness was something I did because I really enjoyed the way it made me feel to help people feel good about themselves. Hence my purpose. I love being able to show them. I love being able to show students that they were enough, that they were valuable, and that they could have fun. And I loved making fitness simple. And so that was the business that really took off for me. I created a business called uh, Powder Blue Productions. We created pre-designed workout formats for fitness instructors. So my consumer was not the person at home. My consumer was fitness instructor who was teaching the class. My business hit a tipping point because of two things, two things. You ready? The two things that helped my business go over the edge. Two things were the tipping point for my business. These two things helped us move from, I was generating more than a million dollars in sales in my business and spending a million dollars. Like literally we were like robbing Peter to pay Paul, is that what it's called? And I was working 80 hours a week, a control freak and trying to do everything myself and more opportunities were coming my way and I was afraid to turn anything down. I was so afraid to say no to anything. And I was, I was like, I, I don't understand. How, how can we get bigger? How can we get, how can there be more success? I'm, I'm, I'm done. Like I'm, I'm, there's, I have nothing left, but there are two things that were the tipping point for my business. And both of these things will work in your business. Do not underestimate these two things. Are you ready? Testimonies and the outsource. Testimonies. Testimonies and the outsource. Okay, so what do I mean by that? Well, the reason why I was able to, and Brett and I both were able to go to so many different infomercial companies. They weren't, we weren't going to them, they were coming to us because I had collected this folder that was about four inches thick of testimonials from people who had lost amazing amounts of weight and had been doing my programs consistently for years without any diet program, just doing the workout. And I, I didn't know I was collecting those because it was like my feel good, good folder, right? I was collecting those testimonials, not because I ever thought I was going to be shopping it around the infomercial companies. I was collecting those testimonials because I was proud of them. You know, and I've always done that. I've always, I've always had folders I keep in my desk drawer that I call my happy folders. 
now I realize that they're testimonials, really. And so when anyone would send me an email or a letter with their pictures or before and after pictures, I saved them and I put them in this folder. Well, the very first time somebody contacted me, contacted us about doing an infomercial, I was like, an infomercial? Like a, a, a really? And they're like, yeah, we'd like to meet with you. And so I thought, well, I better get an agent. I called Tony Robbins' agent. This is a true story. I called Tony Robbins' agent. I'm like, okay, let's see who's Tony Robbins' agent is because ultimately I would like to be a motivational speaker. So let's call him. And I did. And he said, no, no. Uh, sorry. Um, I'm, oh, I'm sure your program is amazing. And so is everybody else's. And he, this gentleman at this point had done lots and lots of infomercials, this agent. He had represented to the Total Gym and he had represented the guy that did Eight Minute Abs and he had represented Tony uh, Robbins and he had represented Tammy Lee Webb, Buns of Steel, remember? And so I'm like, oh, I need, I need him to be my agent. And so uh, when I called, he was just like, no, yeah, no. I'm sure, I'm sure it's adorable kind of thing. And I'm like, no, really, really, please. And then I happen to know someone, here's that same thing. I happen to know someone who was really rooting for me and knew someone who my now agent had once represented. And I said, do you think you could put in a phone call and just see if this guy will meet with me? And he's like, absolutely. So I put in a phone call to him and, he, and so then this guy calls me back and he says, his name is Ben Gage, to this day is still my agent. And he says, um, okay, I'll, you know, as a favor, I'll meet with you. Give the kid a chance. That's what it was. It was give the kid a chance. So I drove down to San Diego with my husband and my big folder. And I walked in the room and I went. And I dropped down the folder. And he opened it up. And he looked at it and he said, <laughs> you got yourself a gold mine right here. And I'm like, really? He's like, <laughs> are you kidding me? I'm like, no, what, what does this mean? He's like, this is what infomercial companies have to create. And it takes them like two years and you've got them all here. I'm like, oh, is that a good thing? He's like, we're about to get in a bidding war. I'm like, oh my gosh. But here's what he said. He said, um, and I'll take you on as my client, but the minute you go Hollywood, the minute you care more about the dollar than you care about people, the minute your kids are less important than your next opportunity, I'm out. I'm like, dude, we were a pair made for each other. Get in my belly. And we signed with Ben Gage that day and today he is still our agent from those testimonies. Yeah testimonials are the Bombay. Ben Gage had a very personal experience with Hollywood because his mother is um, Esther Williams, first, first female fitness star if you think about it. Mm -hmm. That got us in a bidding war with all of the biggest infomercial companies including Guthy Ranker, King Star, and a little tiny company called Beachbody. Beachbody only had one program at the time. It was, I believe, Slim and Six. And they had done P90, not P90X. They came in with a much lower offer. They came in with not nearly the credentials, small office, pretty much a startup at the time. And Guthy Ranker came in with a guns a-blazing and a big, big offer. But I just had this intuition that... Beachbody would fight for it. Like 
would let it be what it is. And I was right. We signed the deal with Beachbody, but it was, it was hard. I remember wishing I had a crystal ball. I remember calling Ben Gage in my car, just driving around and going, which one should I pick? Should, which, which, which offer should I take? And he's like, you're going to have to make this call yourself, but go with your intuition. I'm like, but I don't know. I just don't know. He's like, just go with your gut about the people. And I'm like, okay, 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 okay. It's true. And, and unfortunately, every time I met someone at Guthrie Ranker, it was a different person. That, that took our business 10x. It also took my workload 10x. So while we were making more money, I wasn't living a very good life. It was awful, to be honest. And um, so the next thing that really took our business, took our opportunities to the next level, was learning to outsource. You've heard this repeatedly from me over and over and over again, that your business gets no bigger. You will continually say, we can't afford that. We are, we, I want to do that, but I can't afford to do that yet. You're just going to keep saying that and saying that and saying that and saying that. And you'll never stop saying it until you invest in other people. And you didn't hear me say until you hire other people. I said invest because the word investment means that you're, you're going to take your money and put it into something and you don't immediately get money back. It's an investment. It's not an ATM machine, but when you invest in outsourcing, in finding other good people, then you make your money back 10x. Then you get your life back and your, your business doesn't get any bigger and you don't get any bigger. All you do is get more crazy. You'll turn into a maniac. You, you know these people. I know these people. They're, they try to shut me out of their lives because I won't stop saying, when are, you, when are you going to hire someone? When are you going to hire someone? And then eventually they just don't even listen to me anymore because they know I have no bone to pick except that I love them. And you know who you are if you're watching. Um, but I won't stop. I don't let it stop me because I know your potential. And I, I keep staying strong in that opinion because I know it's possible, because I believe in you, because I was there, because it is an investment. You, you have to invest when you don't have the money because you have to have faith that you will be paid back abundantly, that you will be repaid for your faith, your faith in yourself, your faith in other people, that you are not a manager. You're a leader. You're an owner. Managers work 70 hours a week and try to do everything themselves. You're not a manager. You've got to learn to outsource. And thank you so much for being here tonight. I really do appreciate it. This episode of The Chalene Show was brought to you by The Courageous Confidence Club. If you're part of the club and you're changing your life and you've got new friends and the support of some incredibly positive, loving people, we want to hear about your experience. Go to chalenejohnson.com forward slash podcast and leave me a message. So until we get a chance to spend some time together again, I wanted to take a moment to share with you some of these really cool messages. And again, if you want to leave me your own message about this episode or about your experience in the Courageous Confidence Club, you can do that by going to shaleenjohnson.com forward slash podcast. That's right. It's the same place where you can leave a voicemail message and get all of the show notes from this episode. 